Hello, everybody, and welcome to Distilling Greatness Podcast. This is episode number 12, and it's one that we're going to entitle, What's Brewing for 2024? And I have three great, great excuse me, I've got three great guests uh, who are joining me today. On to my left, this is Roy Milner. He is the founder and CEO of the Blackberry Farm Brewery, uh, located over in Maryville, Tennessee. Uh, to my right, this is Dr. Todd White. He's the president and founder of the Brewing and Distilling Center of Knoxville. And not last but not least, of course, on my far right over here, this is Matt Schock. Uh, for people who maybe visited our d- distillery out in Townsend, you may recognize him. He is our production lead um, and does a lot of the beer making and uh, and bottling and distilling type stuff that we have to do here. But it's great to have you all here. Thank you all very much for joining us. Great well, to be here. Thank thanks. you. Thanks, Jeff. So I wanted to kind of just kick off and let everybody introduce themselves and kind of talk about um, a little bit about their background and kind of how they ended up in what I would call beverage alcohol. Since we're going to talk a little bit about distilling, we'll talk mostly about brewing. But Roy, kind of kick us off and tell us a little bit about your journey to Blackberry Farm Brewery. Yeah, so I'll go back to 1991. I was a, a student at University of Tennessee, Knoxville. I was home brewing. My, my cousin had spent a semester abroad in Belgium. He brought back some beers. I thought, well, let, let's figure out how to make these beers. I've still been trying to figure that out for the most of my life. But um yeah, I, I fell in love with homebrewing. I started getting very involved in the East Tennessee Homebrew Club. I ended up becoming the president of that club. And uh, after college, I started a brand with a friend called Eastern Rivers Brewing Company. We did that for three years in Knoxville. And when we closed that venture, it did okay, but we realized what we didn't know. And, and I got a job with Boston Beer Company. So I ended up moving to Texas and I I sort of fell in love with the business of beer, learning how distribution worked and how the marketing and how building a brand. And if you remember back to that time, Boston Beer was still one of the more obscure craft breweries. They were a big craft brewery, but a, a, you know the, the the biggest of the smalls. Yeah, I would I absolutely give them credit though for sort of the craft beer movement. They, yeah, they, well, kind of, I, they were the ones that were the, the, kind of the primary catalyst for it. I think, mad respect, uh, yeah. Jim Cook, such a such a visionary, yeah. and I worked with some brilliant people there and learned a lot about the beer business. I ended up transitioning into a non-alcohol role with Red Bull North America, but I still worked with distributors that sold beverage alcohol. So I stayed in touch with beer and, and spirits and I just missed, I missed craft beer. I really wanted to be back in Tennessee. I was facing an impending move to LA and uh, I had two young daughters and, and, and I, I wanted to be back in Tennessee and I knew about Blackberry Farms. So I had a, a, a serendipitous chance to meet the family. And Sam and I decided on the spot that we were going to do a brewery on the farm. And, and going all the way back to 91, this discovery of these agrarian beers known as Saisons, I just, it, it was kind of full circle for me to be able to come back to Tennessee, work with Blackberry Farm, and, and start a brewery. So that, that's the, the, the short answer of how I ended up back here and back in beer. Uh, yeah, and kind of the rest is history, right? <laughs> making making <laughs> great beer over fun. there. It's you been You make fun. great beer. Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you've ended up in, in brewing and distilling. Yeah, so as opposed to Roy, who fell in love with making it, I fell in love with drinking beer. <laughs> still a passion for <laughs> my still, still a passion. Um, so I started, like most of my, most folks, uh, my started drinking beer as, mm-hmm. as a young teenage person. <laughs> and uh, and the beer that we had access to was was not good. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to use those words. Yeah, 
and I don't usually use those words, but it was not good beer. Yeah. And, <laughs> good, good beer in the early days was free beer. It didn't really matter Correct. what it was. It was just free. Correct. In high school, a six-pack of hams was $1.99, and that's what we went after. Um, and so, but for some reason, I'd, I wanted better-tasting beer. I really wasn't exposed to it, but knew there had to be better beer out there. So I was on this journey for better beer. I, I was drinking it pretty, pretty well, but in, I went to vet school, um, retired veterinarian, and I um, perfected drinking beer in, in vet school. <laughs> we worked hard, but we partied hard. But anyway, so let's, let's fast forward. So I'm still looking for, for good beer in, in East Tennessee, which is very hard to find. In, in the 90s, we saw beer um, coming along, getting, getting better. Um, I was at the opening night in, at the downtown Knox Grill and Brewery, which is still in existence. So I was there on the opening night. So I was always looking for good beer. So again, just fast forward some more. So um, a friend of mine um, owned a business and he brewed beer once a year for a, a party that he had and for his clients and friends. And I helped him do some homebrew. Never saw that before in my life. Thought it was extremely interesting. I uh, saw how difficult it, of a process it was, and the beers that we made were delicious. So I thought, hmm, this is really interesting. Let's fast forward some more. So I'm back in East Tennessee, part of a little um, establishment called The Market. And The Market um, um, was a great little store, and I owned the beer department. So this is 2008. And, you know, the craft beer explosion was starting to occur in, in, mm -hmm. in America. Um, so I had to, what I think is the first craft beer store. In East Tennessee, I had all these customers seemingly come out of the woodwork that were interested in this kind of beer, so it was very successful. Um, we started the very first beer tastings in East Tennessee at the market. That was a lot of fun. And so owning the, the beer department here, I was um, establishing relationships with breweries and, and, and representatives of breweries um, and got to really know these, these people, um, found out how fun and smart and passionate these people were, which I found, I like those kind of people. I hang out with people that are smart, funny, um, nice, and passionate about what they do. And that's I, I resemble. I resemble that remark, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you're very welcome. And, and that's and, ironically where we met. It is. It and is, we're still friends. It so. is where we met. Uh, and, and it's how we met in, in the local East Tennessee industry. Um, and I soon found out the distillers were, were the same, Jeff. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Anyway, so I'm, I'm teaching now. I've, I've retired from veterinary medicine. I'm teaching at the collegiate level. Uh, and now I'm teaching full-time at South College. Um, and I want to start a, a brewing program. So really, I was, I was seeing all this explosion of the new breweries in, in America and is wondering, as an educator, where were all these new breweries getting qualified brewers? Because I knew the process was very difficult. A little bit of research, Siebel in Chicago, UC Davis on the West Coast, and that's it. And so, in the meantime, I had befriended Marty Vellis, who is one of the craft beer pioneers in America. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're just lucky he's here in East Tennessee. He and I became good friends. I knew he had been involved in education on the West Coast at some point in time. And I called Marty up and said, Marty, we need a, I think we need a beer school in Knoxville. He says, yes, we do. Yeah. So, developed that program at South College from 2013, 2017. By that time, I was getting itchy again. I'm, I've got an entrepreneurial spirit as well. Mm -hmm. I like to be the boss. <laughs> I like to tell people what to do. That is not really true, but I do like, I do yeah. like running things. Sure. Um, and I like being in charge of things where I know 
what the best solution is and what the best pathway is. I don't need any, I don't need to ask permission to do this or that. Sure. Right. So I started the brewing distilling center in 2017 with that in mind. Um, so we've been doing that ever since. So we teach brewers and um, potential brewers and distillers how to do that and get jobs in the industry. Um, and that's how I, I met you um, and really met everybody at this table is, is through the industry here locally in East Tennessee. And um, that's what we do. Yep, you know, you, you, the year you mentioned, the 2008, um, ironically, that was the same year I became master distiller at Jack Daniels. And, of course, back then, I had no attachment to beer or anything, but uh, it was also at a time where people, it seemed like, were shifting away from vodka and sort of lighter-flavored spirits and going for things that were higher character, higher alcohol. Yeah. So it was sort of part of that renaissance of whiskey um, in this country as well. Yeah. And people were, you know, kind of asked me commentary on that. You know, what do I think is going on there? And I'm like, well, I think the best predictor of that about to happen was probably what happened in beer. Right. You know, where every major beer brand that, you know, that was consumed in high volumes was really light. Yeah. Uh, it, it you was, know, it was a very, you know, almost commodity level because it was, this wasn't a lot of character there to contemplate. And then that began to change. They started going, you know, you started seeing brands introducing higher alcohols and bigger flavors and everything. So people were kind of drinking more for character yeah. uh, than they had been maybe before. Right. Uh, and they wanted something that was super flavorful. And I think that kind of preceded what happened in whiskey and what, you know, it's kind of informed what we've done here, what Correct. we're doing. We're kind of taking flavorful spirits and trying to make them even more flavorful, doing wood, wood finishes and things of that nature. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think the two are tied together. They're those, exactly, those trends. Yeah, exactly so one, one, just, yeah, one was just a little bit ahead of the other yeah. as far as, the, you know, kind of indicating where consumers were maybe headed. Yeah, they're, down the, the American consumers have become... Um, more respectful of quality and we saw the yeah. same thing in the wine industry and yeah. in, I guess in the 60s and then it happened again in the beer industry uh, in the 90s and 2000s in particular so you know Americans are tired of having to travel um, 5,000 miles to go to Europe to have a quality beverage even and, though Roy just did that he just did that <laughs> right. it's like I am still awake yeah Roy, there's, there's good beer here too um, but I've, I've talked to so many people who particularly like Marty Vellis have went to Europe got a taste of the quality beer and, and other products over there and then come back and say, where can I get this? Yeah. And they say, well, say, well, you can't. And Marty yeah. goes, well, I'm going to do something about it. Sure. So it is, a, and Marty says, and, and you're saying the same thing, it is good to be alive and, and a beer drinker and a, and a whiskey drinker <laughs> in America at this day and time. It, yeah. it's, not, it's never been any better. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, the competition is stiff, but that's good for people, right? Yeah, competition. Yeah, it, 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 drives, it drives out the, the weak. And, yeah, competition brings greatness. Competition breeds quality. Yeah, so Matt, tell us a little bit about kind of the, the path that you've been on, how you ended up in, in sort of the beer space and yeah, it's your, a, your it, passion. Yeah, it's a unique path. Um, unlike probably most people, um, I actually waited till I was of age to drink. And <laughs> the craft beer scene was already starting to boom. And um, so my, my first beers were all craft beers. My first beer ever was Guinness off draft. Um, so, you know, and that's a classic. It's a staple. And it made me like dark beers and all those tasty things and full flavored beer. Um, so it took me a long time to decide that that's what I wanted to do. I grew up in a household where neither of my parents drank. And I was like, hi, ah, <laughs> do I really want to do that? But um, so I guess fast forward about 10 years. Um, obviously, I've made a lot of friends in the industry just from being a regular face everywhere um, and <laughs> being the personality that I am. So I, I decided, hey, this is what I want to do. Um, growing up, my teachers always gave me the compliment. 
he talks too much in class. So I, I decided I want to put that to use <laughs> and become a sales rep. And I'd made um, several friends um, just through doing different service industry jobs and that were reps for different brands and was like, hey, I want to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of helped me get there. I started as a brand ambassador for Tennessee Brewworks um, out of Nashville. So I was repping them here um, locally in Knoxville area, um, doing tastings and all that for them. And then luckily I got my way into a job doing sales rep work for Gypsy Circus for a little while. Um, and that was, that was an awesome stepping stone for me and helped get me into the field and actually got me in here yeah. kind of just around. And I decided I didn't actually like sales as well as I liked or I thought I would like. So, yeah. um, so now I'm just kind of wheeled my way in, but I guess being production. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, Matt making his rounds over through towns and that's how we got to know him and we were looking for help and we really liked him. So it was like, Hey, you want a job? Uh, so we, we brought him on board. Great, good. great to have him. And thank y'all um, for kind of covering that. But, you know, I think one of the things that you're kind of seeing the theme here is that when you work in this industry, I think we're much more friendly maybe than sometimes people realize you would think it's a competitive space, but I don't think that that eliminates the ability to, to be friendly to Correct. one another too yep. you know you may not want to give away your best recipes to your to your competitor but if they give you a call and they've got a problem you you'll you help to, each you, other out yeah you help one another mm-hmm. out yep. um that you know it's not it's not a petty industry it, it tends to be pretty warm and friendly um so i you know y'all have kind of talked about how y'all met i was just kind of thinking you know as we were going to do this that you know i met roy kind of by happenstance uh, you know a lot of people even if they've lived in maryville a long time don't know there's this killer speakeasy <laughs> Um, underneath the, the Capitol, <laughs> yeah, underneath uh, the Capitol cool Theater, place. and um, I had a common friend to the guy who owns that, and uh, we had offered up a barrel uh, of whiskey, so the first official barrel number one, uh, to the zoo in, in Knoxville as a fundraiser, and the gentleman who, who won that auction, we, he, I said, you know, put together some of your friends, and we'll kind of do a delivery party, we'll do a tasting on it and everything, so uh, Roy ended up coming to that, so that's kind of how, that was my first memory of you, if that was not our first meeting. Oh, that was, that was a great night. It was so much fun. I had a great time, too. Uh, I think, Todd, the first time I met you, I'd heard a lot about you. Um, but I think the first actual meeting was when we were talking about the Winter Brew Fest out here. We kind of had a pre-meeting because we were. Yes. Is that, is but, that true? But even before that. So um, I'm, I do a, a radio show, yep. WTK, Knocks yeah. on Tap. And Kevin, I had met Kevin yep. um, Smith from here at uh, Company. And he was coming on the radio show. And the story I heard, you, you said, well, I want to be on the radio sh- show too. Um, <laughs> no, I met you before that, though. <laughs> oh, was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this was that pre meeting that we had last fall before we did the winter brew fest. Okay. So they would big group out here, yeah. just kind of talking because we were going to have to move it from the carriage house down right. the road here. Yeah. Moved it to the lot beside us here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about winter brew fest yeah, we'll because that, that was one of the, your mastermind projects over here yeah. that um, benefits charity. Yeah. Um, so that's always a good thing to talk about too. Sure. And then of course with Matt, it was, you know, remembering him when he was doing his routes and everything, stopping by here, seeing him at the bar, thinking he was a nice guy and then saw that he was potentially interested in working with us yeah. and, and just kind of fit our personality. That's good. <laughs> and the thing I love about Matt is for those who don't know him he, he knows the name of like the drummer uh, of every like band that's ever existed and, well, and, 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 and maybe not even their current drummer the first one well I'm gonna ask him a question right now <laughs> oh, no. so, so Matt he's like a, he's like a, if you, if you are spot, ever put you on spot. Who's, who's the drummer of High Five Fist Bump he me. probably didn't <laughs> me Matt 
Fair enough. I'm a drummer. He, he stumps everybody yeah. on that question. <laughs> he only it's follows okay. good bands. <laughs> but no, Successful bands. Matt, Matt and I have yeah. worked together quite a bit, and clearly it makes the day go a little bit faster if we, we throw a little music on. And oh, his, yeah. his, his level of knowledge around music is just, it is like blows my mind. Well, that's Cause cool. Because I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good trivia type person, right. too. But this you guy, are. He, is, he would be my lifeline if I was ever on like some show yeah. where I felt, you know, somebody's asking me about some obscure band. I'm like, I'm calling Matt. I'm calling Matt. I don't know. I don't know that. <laughs> All right, Matt and I are going to have to talk drummers after we're done here. Yeah, we'll yeah, have a segment two after this. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to you, Roy. I, it's just been for people who follow brewing in East Tennessee, it was big news that um, Blackberry Farm and Oldham uh, were kind of becoming right. one. Uh, not to push you on that, no, but no. if you have you at liberty to discuss a little bit about what those plans are and kind of how you see that moving forward, that would be great to know. I think it's actually a great success story, a local success story. We, we, we started talking probably midway through last year in 2022 uh, with, the, with the Bell family and the Black Ray Farm leadership team about the brewery, and we were almost a victim of our own success. The brewery business had gotten to a size where it was a, there were some decisions to be made. Mm-hmm. And through those those conversations, we decided that I would somehow find another partner mm-hmm. um, in, in a path forward to continue to invest and grow the brewery business. And 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 I'll be brutally honest with you, like the Bells and the and the Blackberry Farm team have been nothing but amazing to work with. Like mm-hmm. we continued to invest in the brand, but the brand got to a size where it, it was something that they wanted to focus more on the hotel business, which is the core competency. Sure. And um, it was time for the, for the brewery business to have a, a 2.0. And there were several parties that were interested. We took our time. It was a very collaborative process. It was a, it was, it was a very um, involved process. And for those that don't know, the, the Oldham family purchased Dancing Bear from Blackberry Farm in 2013. So there's a long history. I've known the Oldham since I moved to Blount County in 2013. And there was a familiarity with everything they were doing with Dancing Bear and Jeff Carter coming back and Peaceful Side Social. Houston and I have been friends for a long time. So while there were multiple parties interested in partnering with the brewery moving forward, I really liked the idea of keeping it owned by a family-owned company in Blount County, hospitality-centric, that were investing in the beer side of the business. And... I love what's happened at Peaceful Side Social. It's yep. been fun to watch. It's been it's at, been a great addition to the community in Townsend. And Houston and I were, were were having lunch frequently, talking about what that might look like moving forward. And and in some of the the beers they were making with partners in Knoxville, I had a hand in that as well. So here here's a family that wants to invest in the beer business, grow the beer business, and also have a presence in Maryville. Mm-hmm. And here's a Blackberry Farm Brewery that we've got a 10 year span of creating great, what I think are great beers, great products, a I tap room. I totally agree yeah, on like the that, quality of your beer. It's outstanding. We started a kitchen last summer. So, you know, it was, it was perfect timing. We'll have our most successful year this year and revenue and sales. So it, it was a good time to find someone to come in and pick up something that's got a head of steam sure. and carry it forward. So yeah. that, that's how we got here. And it, it, it took us almost a year. Mm-hmm. but I couldn't be any happier with where we are. The relationship with Blackberry is outstanding. We're going to continue to produce Blackberry Farm beer under under a licensing agreement, and then we'll launch another brand, which we'll yeah. talk a little bit about um, in, in a few minutes. But we will, we're working on some new things for, for 2024 
that will mm-hmm. come out under under the peaceful side umbrella. So oh, that's awesome. how we got here. And I know originally the intention was that that location was going to try to be a brewery, and then they, they got into some of the infrastructure issues that Townsend kind of inherently has that these septic tanks and electricity, when you've got no natural gas and you've got no sewers, you, uh, it's just, it's tough. You're to intimately familiar here in this <laughs> yeah. facility, yep. you know, running a major manufacturing facility that's got a lot of effluent and a lot of other yep. things to consider. Yep. You know, we, we all love this beautiful resource we have near us and we mm-hmm. want to protect it. So, yep. so being able to do that effectively with the right municipality and the right resources and the right services yep. is important. So, yep. absolutely. Um, and that facility we have in Maryville has demonstrated to be an effective place to make good beer. So, absolutely. It, so, Todd, tell us a little yep. bit about what you've got going on over at the Brewing and Distilling Center. Yeah. So, we got a couple of things going. Our most immediate event is our open house for veterans, for military veterans. So since 2019, uh, our program has been able to accept the post 9-11 GI Bill military Mm -hmm. benefits, which we're extremely, extremely proud of. Um, And so there's been a lot of interest in veterans attending our program. Uh, We've put a lot of veteran graduates out just as employees, as, as start entry level positions and then several that have started their own breweries as well. So it's a this is a great industry for veterans and as we all know, sometimes they need some assistance in, in getting back into uh, um, to, to, to civilian life, so to speak. And so we're we're really happy about that. So um, we're having an open house next Thursday uh, at 6.30 p.m. for about an hour and a half. Going to be a short thing uh, at the Brewing Distilling Center, which is in Knoxville, 130-130 Bearden Place in Knoxville. Um, they're in North Knoxville. And so uh, that that's our next event. It's just going to be uh, an information session uh, to let, um, again, let military veterans know they can utilize their GI Bill benefits to attend our program and then what the industry looks like, what the opportunities are. So it's really an information session. And if anybody's interested in, in that, um, just go to our website, brewinganddistillingcenter.com. Um, you can find out about it or just show up at 130 Bearden Place next Thursday uh, at 6.30 p.m. So that's the most immediate thing we've got coming up, our next professional session, uh, which is our uh, professional program that uh, trains brewers and distillers is next February. Um, starts um, February 19th, and we still have uh, open and, slots for that. And you'll have a website, right? We do, yeah. So yes. brewingdistillingcenter.com tells you all about that. Okay. Uh, we're pretty heavily present on social media, Facebook mm-hmm. and, and Instagram, uh, getting into the uh, TikTok realm as we speak. <laughs> um, that's, that's what we're supposed to do, so we're doing it. Um, so anyway, so, do you yeah. Dan- do you dance in any of those? Um, maybe. Just war- just warn me first. Maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not warning anybody. When you get on TikTok, it's like a surprise, right? I'll join just for that. <laughs> Come on. Um, so that's so that's the that's the immediate things. We're also having a uh, our second annual um, partnership, if you will, with Orange Hat Brewing uh, at their facility in Hardin Valley, doing a uh, a home brewing competition that's strictly a fundraiser for Brewing Distilling Center scholarship. Okay, uh, very nice. Uh, so Rodney over there helps us with that. So that'll be in January. Can you look at all all that on our Facebook and, and our website, brewingdistillingcenter.com. That's a really cool. And, and, and eventually, if, whenever we're going to talk about Tennessee Winter Beer Fest, we can do that. Yeah. Um, which is not directly under the BDC umbrella, but it's we're heavily involved in that. Very cool. Matt, tell us a little bit about what's going on with the the company Distilling Brewery here, because I know you've got, you poured us something really nice today that just got 
just, just came off gassed, the line, right? Just got so, gassed. Yeah, so, so tells, um, tells right, right now we're drinking our chocolate milk stout. Um, so it's going to be our newest release, getting kegged today, actually. Um, okay. So this came right off the fermenter, tasting great, right? Yeah. Um, so it's the best breakfast I've had this I week. know, it's a, it's a good breakfast, <laughs> you just came, isn't it? came straight from Germany. <laughs> you're, 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 still on your, you're still on European time, so you're okay. <laughs> So we, we decided, you know, obviously this time of year, people love their stouts. And so it was time to do our do our first stout, you know, as a brand. And um, we've always had the Black Rye IPA, which is a fan favorite. I know that's one of Roy's favorites that when he my, comes in here. But my favorites. it's probably my favorite when I sometimes occasionally have a beer here. <laughs> um, but more or less a very similar recipe to it. We've just changed up the hops and all that, but it's super delicious. And then we're also about to release a Belgium triple. Um, oh, so wow. also another good winter beer, you know, a little higher alcohol and got those nice spicy notes. Um, two, two of my favorite styles personally anyway. Um, so when Kevin and I were sitting down and discussing the next beers we needed to put out and kind of switch up our yep. so taps. The, Bel- the Belgian triple is on tap now and the uh, chocolate milk stout's about so Bel- to come. So Belgium triple has probably got another week or so okay. um, to finish fermenting and that'll okay. get um, tapped and we're going to try to release it right before Christmas. We should so, taste right, that today yeah. though off the You know, we, we, yeah. we might have to. <laughs> if you, eh, My arm hurts a yeah. little yeah. bit from that, but it's all right. <laughs> cool. So are you excited about those? Oh, I'm I'm very excited for those, especially the stout. That's why I couldn't wait to share it with everyone today. So it's delicious as yep. usual. Your um, Jeff, as you well know, your beer here is just spot on. We were talking thank about you. that. Prior I can't take any on. credit for that at all. <laughs> so that why is, are you saying that thank is you, Kevin? I, yeah. So he, he yeah, said you, not, you just Kevin's stay out of the way. That's what Kevin said. <laughs> That's what I told him. I said I will stay out of your way as long as the beer tastes good. We'll have it no is, rub. It's fantastic. That's but, good yeah, leadership. Yeah, absolutely. You let people do what they do best, right? You, you try not to you mess know, handcuff up. them. Yeah. But no, you know, I'm, I feel very fortunate that, you know, Kevin and I had a relationship at Jack Daniels. He was the microbiologist there. I knew his beer making talents because every Friday uh, there was like a back kitchen area in the main office okay. and everybody that homebrewed would bring in their stuff. Yeah, that's cool. And Kevin was hands down the winner. You okay. know? And, and there were other people there that were pretty talented. Okay. I mean, there were not a lot of bad ones that were brought in, but Kevin's were just sort of next yeah. level. But so I, I knew his is. ability. Uh, and when he talked about joining this venture, I said, let's talk about Townsend then because there's an opportunity because brewing and distilling are so tied together. Yes. You know, a lot of people don't know. It's sort of like it's a progression. Yeah. Uh, you, the brewing sort of happens first and then you can take that beer and you can distill it uh, yep. into a whiskey or some other form of distilled spirit. Um, so, yeah, we that's kind of how we decided that Townsend would be best, you know, it would best suit us if it was a brew distillery. So there's a big, you know, a three and a half barrel brew skid back there. We yeah. can make beer here. Yep. Uh, we have a still so we can take that and, and advance it forward and turn it into a distilled spirit if we want to. Um, but Roy, I know you've talked about, you know, plans you guys have over at Blackberry Farm. Do you have anything kind of new coming up that, that you are excited about or, you know, as far as any new beer variety seasonals that you, you tend to offer? Yeah. So p- part of this evolution process in, in working with Houston and Mark and, and our Blackberry Farm team over the course of this year was to think about maybe getting back to some of the things that made us who we, who we were in the beginning. Mm-hmm. The, the, we started canning beer in 2018 and that took off and we've been very grateful for that. But, but what ends up happening is you have a couple of styles that dominate the marketplace. You end up making those beers most of the time. So we'll, we'll continue a lot of that, but we'll turn down the dial a little bit to be able to get back into some mixed culture wood program. Okay. Uh, Houston and I both have a passion for wine. We have some relationships with wineries in Virginia. So we'll do some co-ferment things. Yeah. We're going to get back to doing some more innovative, frequent releases at the tap room just to drive some traffic to to Maryville. 
and and we'll also focus on increasing the event activity so we have some more specific seasonal things that 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 drive the local community to come out and try some new products from both the wood program and and these smaller batch taproom only releases you know we we're proud to be a part of this east tennessee beer community we've got one of our team members sits on the board of kaba uh, we've got a, a team member that is coming off the board for the Tennessee Craft Brewers Guild. But we, we've always loved being a member of this community. We identify very closely with the breweries over in Asheville. You know, mm-hmm. we all consider ourselves to be on the other side of the mountain. So we spend a lot of time over there. And, and just continuing that narrative moving forward of being one of those breweries that welcomes everyone. We want to be known for incredible beer. We want to be known for education. Mm-hmm. And... We, we started this tap room to be a beacon in the community. It's a gathering spot. Everyone's welcome. And, and, we, and we're going to continue to build on that with some expanded hours and other things that will just shine a light on the Maryville beer community, which if, if, if our listeners don't know, we just had two breweries in Knoxville show extremely well at Great American Beer Festival. Balter Beer Works was named mm-hmm. Small Brewery of the Year yeah. for the entire country. Uh, Orange Hat brought, brought a metal home. So. Yep. Zool's done some incredible. Yes. We just got a lot. We, we love all those all those friends, and we're very good friends with the, the guys at Alliance, and we 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 just crafty bastard all of them, and mm-hmm. and we want to be continue to be that spot where everyone can come to Maryville, enjoy some beers with us, on us, and and collaborating. Yeah. That that's what makes this yeah. industry so fun is being able to work together. Yep. So of all the things that you've you've produced at at Blackberry Farm of beer styles, is there one that kind of really speaks to you that you would say that's been your favorite it's the og it's it's the baby it's it's classic saison okay it started the program it was inspired by saison dupont and it's still the beer i go back to and just absolutely never get tired of and listen it's it's like choosing your children your favorite children I, it's, um, I, have, I have to make that choice every now and then. So. They're all fun and they're all yep. unique and I love drinking seasonally. And But but Classic's just that beer that no matter what time of year, no matter what I'm eating, I feel like it works. And it's just this, you, you see that light bulb moment go off in people's head when you open a, a bottle or a fresh draft or a, mm-hmm. a, a, a fresh can of beer. And like, it's just this different experience. Yeah. And and it's still a fairly obscure beer style. So I, I love that we hung our hat on that and it, it became this great thing. But we mentioned earlier, I just got back from Belgium and Germany and I didn't have a single Saison when I was over there because yeah. I was enjoying all the things that are available this time of year. Really nice Belgian quads. You've got box and double box coming out in Germany. So like, I love drinking seasonally. So yeah. it, that's not a great answer, but yeah, no, no I, I love a, that all. is a great answer. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Todd, what about you? Is there, a, is there a beer that really just is typically your favorite style? Uh, well, I'm a lager guy. Okay. Okay. Lager, German lagers, uh, Czech Pilsners. Um, but my favorite beer in the world is um, Weinstefaner's original lager. Um, That's actually, a good one. We actually had one of um, a young brewer from Weinstefaner as a guest on our show last week. Oh, that's cool. He and another guy from another regional brewery in Germany were visiting Marty. Uh, and they were all on the show. But anyway, Von Stefaner Original Lager is my absolute favorite beer in the world. But it's categories, German, Czech, Pilsners, and Lagers. All right, cool. Yep. Matt, Great. what about you, man? I'd have to say for myself, I'm very much a Lager Pilsner man myself. Um, but I think because of my first beer was Guinness, I always say my favorite beer is Guinness. I, yeah. You know, you just you kind of can't get away yeah. from it. I love, And I do love stouts. I love milk stouts. Um, 
I have fond memories of Duck Rabbit's Milk Stout was one a very early one for oh, me, yeah. and that that's a great beer. It's yeah. still one that I drink anytime I see it on draft anywhere. I, I get it. Um, yeah. So so any any kind of stout typically for me, and um, w- one of my favorite things that we've chosen to do, much like you guys, we you know hung our hat on a Kolsch, and that's a style I really enjoy as well, yeah. and you don't see as around as often. Yeah, you know I think for me. Um, I've, I've, at first, I didn't really care for IPAs. I know they you know, became very popular and kind of very much seemed to be dominating uh, the shelf space yes. uh, with a lot of brands. Uh, but what I've learned about those is that, you know, I don't like them to be overly bitter. Uh, I, I like a little bit of that sort of grapefruit type note that comes from that. Um, but I also kind of don't like these nine and nine and a half percenters. I would prefer something more in the six and a half and seven. So yeah. it's just, to me, there's a point at which there's, I don't know. It's, well, it's about balance and, yeah, and balance and everything, yeah. but balance in beer, particularly balance in an IPA where you have all these pops yeah. and the bitter flavors that could just knock your, yeah. your mouth off. Yeah, twist but, your mouth sideways. Yeah, a but bit. that's yeah. not, that's really, for me, not the, the, the goal of an IPA with all these different pops in it. Uh, it needs to be well balanced, needs to smell wonderfully, yeah. uh, and you taste the hop flavors, but not where you can't only we can only drink one or two yep. sips and then that's it yeah in the time that i was still with jack daniels i had a chance to go to ireland and uh, of course when you're in ireland you got to get a guinness right so or, we or went two. yeah i was gonna say we had uh, quite a few of them <laughs> so i kind of made Seven. it a point i made it a point i mean we went to a lot of different pubs and stuff like that but i ordered one everywhere we went and i think the discipline with which they're poured there is absolutely unbelievable it's remarkable yeah, I mean, the, the training that that brand has done around everybody who pours a Guinness and the way they do it and the consistency with which yeah. they do it, whether it's a, a young server or an old server, a new bar, an old bar, they have been taught how to properly pour that thing, and they all do it the same. Yeah, It is crazy to, to watch it. I mean, it's impressive, you know, <laughs> because, you know, people do things with your brand that you don't want them to right. a lot of times, yeah. and, you know, you have to go in and like, don't do that, don't do that. Um, but they have done a phenomenal job of getting people to kind of understand the right way to do it and convince them that that's the way to do it and they don't they don't really break out from it. Yeah, and that, that shows that there's a still a tremendous amount of room to educate right. the American beer public. Um, there's a lot to it, not just slamming a beer down on, on a boat out of a can that and the, the label turned blue on you. Um, <laughs> well, it's really it's time to drink now. Um, but really, there's an art to drinking good beer, and there's an art in serving good beer, and we're still in the infancy in that training in America. Yeah, I think the rituals of service, some of the rituals of enjoyment, of sharing, like that, that it's meant to be appreciated a certain way. And when you get it that way, a, a funny little side note, we, my, my wife, Suzanne, and I, we, we took our daughters to Ireland in March of this year. And my daughter was like, do you have to have a Guinness in every single place we stop? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, dear. <laughs> yes, just to make sure that everyone's poured it correctly. They, and they do. <laughs> and uh, and they we, do. We, we had a lot of fun. And, and uh, yeah, but it's, it's one of those iconic brands that you just, I always tip my hat to yeah. Guinness. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Um, so I know a lot of times, especially people think of beer, it's, you know, sort of one of the warmer months and, and things of that nature. But for those who are kind of passing through or are going to be in the East Tennessee area, uh, in the coldest month of, of the year, typically in February, there's going to be a winter brew fest, right? Yeah. Todd? Yeah. So Tennessee winter beer fest. So this is, uh, one of the only beer events that I like anymore. Um, it's a, it's a small event. We only sell 350 tickets. So it's, I call it an intimate beer event. Um, and we've been doing this, this will be our 12th year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a fundraiser for, uh, the new hope children's advocacy center out of, out of Blount County. And, and they help out 
children that have been abused in, in different ways. And it, it's unbelievable that yep. there is an unbelievable need for that, but that, that help, but there is. So we have to date, this, again, this is our 12th year to be holding this. We have donated well over $200,000 to New Hope uh, through the years. So um, it's, a, it's a great event for many reasons. It's, um, and I'm on the original board. Uh, we started this again 12 years ago. Um, there's some of us at the, at the market in Maryville where I, where I was, uh, Rob Shoemaker uh, and Mike Adams were talking about, they were, is leading up to the fall and everybody does an Oktoberfest. They, we want to do a beer event, but we don't want to do yet another Oktoberfest. They, well, let's do a Winterfest. And so we did the first one and had like three and a half months to prepare and we, we made it happen. And we decided to do it in Townsend. It's become a tradition to hold it here in Townsend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, last year, um, Jeff and company. It was, yeah, it was our first it, beer. We, that was the first time we put it out yeah, for people to consume it. Correct. So it was our coming out party. Yeah, it was your coming well. out party for the beer. Yep. And uh, you gracefully uh, let us hold the event on, on your grounds. And it was a huge success. In fact, it was I, it, I felt it was the best one because we had everything under one big tent and it worked out well. Yeah. We're going to do that again here on the grounds of Company Distilling, and that's in February. February 24th is this next year's event, and tickets will go on sale. I got the just this morning um, on Monday the 18th, so um, here in just a few days, um, tickets will go on sale for Tennessee Winter Beer Fest. You can go to our website, TennesseeWinterBeerFest.com. You can go on New Hope's website. We have a Tennessee Winter Beer Fest Facebook and Instagram um, presence. Uh, you can buy tickets. We always sell out, Jeff. Um, we'll have. Uh, oh, I know because we had people at the last minute that were trying to get in yeah. and we were trying to <laughs> finagle. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you and I finagle somebody to get in. And I did you. Yeah. You did me a solid on That's that. Okay. One. Thank you. It, it was, it was Keeping all the good. neighbors happy. It, keeping the neighbors happy. It's what you got to do, man. Uh, but for, for $75, uh, you get. Uh, to sample Tennessee beers. And the mission statement of this event is to uh, support and promote Tennessee craft brewers. So there's only going to be Tennessee brewers at this event. Uh, We're going to have over 20. uh, So you have 20 to 22 breweries, 350 patrons. That's a really good odds or ratio because one reason that our, our patrons come back year after year is they actually get to talk to the brewers. So the brewers don't just send some some person who doesn't know anything about the beer. The brewers show up for this. They love this event uh, for many reasons. Um, so with that $75, you get the sampling uh, for that of 20, 22 brewers. Um, food is included, which is never included in right. an event. And it's catered by Miss Lily's here in uh, Townsend. And it is high quality food. I mean, it is yeah. gourmet type food. Uh, we have bands that will be playing um, so it is a fun time. You oh, I you, went to it last you year. You had a grin fan- on your face. It man. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, that it's was a, my first one. I know you've done it twelve times, but I, that was the only one I've ever been a part of. But yeah. it was outstanding. I've it, only it, missed it, two. I had a good time. It's it's, it's a fun event. It, it really is a fun event. Again, the, the proceeds go to an, an amazing mm-hmm. organization. So we're very happy about that. But again, uh, on sale the eighteenth, and there they will sell out quickly. So get on board. It's well, fun. very good. So yep. everybody. Don't don't wait. Don't nope. wait. They sell out. They do sell out. We hope to yeah. see you there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I think we've about run out of time. I'm getting a flashing red uh, screen in front of me. So is there anything you guys would like to share that you're hoping to share that you didn't share? And let's just kind of make one last round through here. 
No, I'd, I'd like to thank you for having yeah. us up, I, I, have, having you here, yeah. ha, having Kevin here, having Matt. It's just an incredible group and community, and, and we, we love the Townsend area. We, we love this corridor between Alcoa, Maryville, yep. you know, up into Townsend, and ha, having you guys here doing great work and, and pulling the community together is just a, a special thing. So, no, I'd, I'd just encourage everyone to, if you haven't checked out the East Tennessee beer and distilling scene, in, yep. in the last and, couple and y'all mentioned I was one of the things I was going, hoping to bring out is that you know what are some of the ones that you think are notable that people are passing through and they're beer fans that they should hit I mean clearly you uh, but you, you mentioned a few yeah, uh, yeah. They, yeah Balter and hit them all yeah, yeah absolutely it, yeah. It's, it's good stuff going on it is on. good stuff yep. yeah. so Matt what have you got planned for uh, the Winter Brew Fest I think we've got a yeah, so obviously in addition to our winter releases, we're going to do a couple of different fun little barrel-aged tweaks on a, both of those um, versions. And then we also just tapped a light lager that we already have sitting on some of our uh, cherry wood chips from our rye, rye whiskey, <laughs> yeah. um, which I think is going to be fun, kind of fortify that and bring it up a little bit. Um, and then we're going to do the Belgium triple with our applewood chips from our Tennessee whiskey, and then as well as the stout with um, some of that cherry wood as well from the rye. So kind of cool. rye on rye a little bit there. Wow. Sounds great. Very cool. Yeah. I'm yeah, excited for those. Amazing. And Jeff, I would also like um to follow up on on Roy's, thank you so much. I'm I really am honored that, that you asked us asked me to come up here, and it's always it's been a pleasure meeting you and getting to know you. You as well. Uh, you're a legend in the in the <laughs> distilling industry, and and we're glad to have you in East Tennessee. Uh, you have to put up with Chris Tatum, which is a challenge every day. Uh, I know Chris pretty well. Um, the president of, of company, but again, welcome to East Tennessee. We're so glad you're here. The facility you have here in Townsend is absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's a great place to come in, uh, have some whiskey, have some distilled spirits, and now the some of the best beer in East Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, after yeah. you've stopped by Blackberry, it's on, yeah. the, it's on the same road, <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> but no, it's it's exciting too. Uh, you know, I was really excited. You know, for people who don't recognize the Oldham name, if, if they are familiar with Townsend, this would be Apple Valley, Dancing Bear. Uh, Appalachian Bistro, Peaceful Side Social. So all yep. those are Oldham properties. So I think if you've been to any of those, you know that they do things with, with a touch of class about them. And I think clearly that, that matches with your brand, Roy, and what you built at Blackberry Farm Brewery. So I, th- I can see how that is a, that's going to be a great partnership there. Yeah, and that's something we're excited about carrying forward is we, we, we all talk about we, we live here, we work here, and we play here. We've got this beautiful resource. And, and the, the attention to detail, the intention with which they approach their craft, and yep. now being able to partner together, yep. I, I'm excited about bringing those two forces together of our team who will remain intact and the Oldham Hospitality team getting to build on, you know, what the next evolution of this thing is. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm, I guess I'll go ahead and wrap us up. Um, this is December's podcast, the final one for 2023. I'm, I appreciate everybody who's been listening to us this year and hope that this one has been informative. Uh, and if you're going to be in the East Tennessee area, if you don't live here, uh, that we've given you some good pointers on places that you're going to want to go and visit and everything. And uh, until January, um, I just want to wish everybody Merry Christmas, uh, a safe and happy new year. And we look forward to um, connecting back with you in January of 24. And we wish the best to you. But thank you all for tuning in. Cheers.